Here's the 15th play of this drive. Rush looking, throwing, end zone, it's caught by Gallup. Touchdown, Dallas. Realistically, you need 23 yards or so. One timeout left, can go anywhere. Wentz decides to go for it all, going deep, and it's intercepted Trayvon Diggs. Guess who? And the only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah! How about them Cowboys, indeed. 25 to 10 is your final today from AT&T Stadium as the Cowboys take care of business against the Commanders. We've got two people from The Athletic out there live right now. Just got out of the locker room to uh, break everything down. We've got Father John Mashoda. We've got Saad Youssef. I'm Kent Producing. This is the About Them Cowboys podcast. We're live on YouTube, by the way, so subscribe to our YouTube channel. And our host with the most is here. The freak on a leash of the Cowboys beat, KT Fun Tweets Turner. Hey, KT. Hello, Kent. Thank you very much. And we are at three and one now. And Cooper Rush's career as a starting quarterback, four and zero. Wow. I don't know if we saw this coming as we enter into October. John, let's go to you uh, live from somewhere in AT and T Stadium. Your immediate takeaways from that twenty-five to ten rousing Cowboys victory. Yeah, I mean, obviously it comes down to Cooper Rush and it comes down to the way the defense played. And I told Saad during the game how it's the way Cooper Rush plays lends itself to the way the defense plays. I mean, he doesn't make big mistakes. He, Even though Washington certainly had the advantage in terms of field position all day, he, he puts them in pretty decent spots for them to be able to do their job and kind of, you know that, hey, every team is going to make a, make a drive uh, the Cowboys have been scored on only four times this season in terms of touchdowns. And for them to only allow that one touchdown again in this game, I mean, you keep that up with a quarterback that's not turning the ball over, you're going to win a ton of games. And so, uh, you know, I, I mean, I look at Cooper Rush's numbers and yeah, it's not 300 yards, but you know, a 107.5 passer rating, t- 223 yards, two touchdown passes. Uh, he just was, he was, he was really solid again when, when things weren't there, he threw the ball away, he made smart decisions. And then the fact that Michael Gallup was back was just so obvious. I mean, not just obviously the touchdown catch when, when he's rolling to his right, well, Cooper's rolling to his right and he gets him in the back of the end zone. But just the fact that whenever it seemed like Michael Gallup was even targeted, good things happened. If it wasn't the catch, it was some type of penalty. And I'll just be honest with you. I didn't expect Michael Gallup to have the impact that he did today. I thought it was going to take him a little bit longer, uh, maybe knock some rust off and, and maybe just have two or three catches for maybe 20 yards or something. I didn't think he'd have the, as, as big of an impact. So that was a big part of it. And then it just seems like every game that rapport between Cooper uh, rush and CD lamb continues to grow. And so that was obviously huge. And then, like I said, the defense is this is one of the best defenses in the NFL. It's certainly the best defense that I've covered since I started covering the team in, in 2011. Uh, I think they can legitimately hold up against just about any offense in this league. And uh, and, and if you have that, you're going to be in every game. And that's what they've been without Dak Prescott. And so did I expect them to be in three and one without Dak? No. And I don't think anybody did. Uh, but it is it is pretty impressive what, what Cooper Rush has been able to do these last few weeks. Yeah, and just to build on on John's point about what we were talking about during the game too, I want to be really clear. I'm not saying Cooper Rush is this guy, but the comp that 
you know, we were kind of talking about was if you go back and look at Tom Brady's early years and the, with the Patriots in 2001 to like 2005 and six, it's kind of what he was doing. Like, I mean, at a higher level than what Cooper Rush is doing, but he was just not making mistakes and the defense was doing its job and they were winning a lot more games. They also had the greatest coach of all time, all that kind of stuff. But that's kind of the way that Cooper is playing. And I think, you know, when you look at the, when you look at a guy who, has that kind of poise that Cooper Rush does. I think it just kind of builds to, throughout the team. And honestly, KT, to something you said to, to begin the podcast, like we didn't really see this coming from Cooper Rush. Well, when you think about the stuff that we had the biggest concerns about going into the season, the wide receivers, Noah Brown has emerged as a decent number three option. Um, the offensive line, Tyler Smith has played really well. Jason Peters is contributing. McGovern has been good. Terrence Steele has held up. All those concerns that we had, they've kind of been addressed and maybe not to the best of their abilities, but they've at least held up. And I think that's big. And then last thing I'll say is John talked about the offense and the defense. The special teams also mattered a lot. When you look at Brett Maher, the way that he's kicking the ball, that was also another prime concern in training camp. He's kicking the ball very well. Brett Maher is also the only kicker in the NFL this season that has not had a kickoff taken out of the end zone this year. Um, so he's doing his part. And then obviously I know, I know anger had the one, you know, uh, shank, but other than that, he's always reliable. And you look at all these three complementary parts of the football game playing together. And I think that's kind of what's led to this three and one start. And you also had the blocked kick as well, which, uh, you know, that's, it happens if that becomes a, you know, that happens more than once you start to go, okay, do we have an issue here? Um, You know, the thing that stood out to me about Cooper Rush is that he faced way more pressure today than he did against the Giants and against the Bengals. And so for me, I mean, the the one play that really kind of sends it all home for me, we talked about him creating on the Michael Gallup touchdown, but it was the, it was the dart to CeeDee Lamb where CeeDee Lamb ran just a tremendous route. But if Cooper Rush holds that ball for one more second, he gets hit. And they didn't show it too much on the TV copy. Um, really just one good replay of what the, what it looked like from the pocket. And that's the difference in Cooper Rush and what Carson Wentz is right now. Cooper Rush is keeping his eyes down the field. and Co- uh, Carson Wentz is looking at all the rushers in his face. I mean, Cooper Rush could have looked at, I believe it was Deron Payne who was coming at him. He could have looked at him and paused and hesitated. Instead, he delivered the dart for the touchdown that ended up kind of being the the, the ultimate dagger of today's game. Yeah, and, and real quick, I think the play that stood out to me for Cooper Rush the most was the 45-yard pass to Noah Brown. And the reason why is not because of it was a big play, but according to next-gen stats, that ball went 55 yards in the air. It was a 45-yard completion. That means it was on a rope. Like The confidence that you talk about stepping into the throw and throwing that perfect pass down the middle of the field to your number three receiver, I thought that was really impressive. Uh, one other person we didn't talk about uh, defensively that Saad and I were talking about during the game, Donovan Wilson. I mean, he just seems like he becomes more and more of a playmaker almost every time I see this guy play football. I mean, I look at his stat sheet right now, and he has him as their team leader in tackles with nine in this game, and one QB hit, and that's it. And I just feel like this, that's a perfect example of the stat sheet not showing you everything because he was so much more impactful than that. And, it, and that's been coming for the last couple of weeks, but he's just played so well. And then you look at guys like Quentin, but I mean, well, sorry, not Quentin, but Neville Gallimore and Dante Fowler stepping up, getting sacks. Demarcus Lawrence talked about it after the game, how it's not just really, you know, a couple of guys that, that they're depending on. There's like, well, actually, you know, it was Micah that talked about it after the game. 
it's it's waves of guys that they can send out there. They got a good seven, eight pass rushers that they can throw out there. And as long as they're able to do that, then you'll get J. Ron Curse back. And then obviously Anthony Brown's playing well. And and the way Trayvon Diggs has, has been able to get his hands on, on on the ball and even knock passes away, it's only going to help the back end of this this defense. And so when I look at all those things, if they're able to stay healthy, I don't see why this can't continue to be one of the best defenses in the NFL all season. Yeah. It used to be with Donovan Wilson, like you would only see him making the play, like running up towards the line and helping against the run or things like that, you know? And like today you have the play like on the outside on, which was a deep ball. Uh, there was another play that was up near the line of scrimmage, but again, outside the numbers, it feels like they are kind of morphing him into another guy who could kind of turn into like a, a what J. Ron Curse has been able to do for them. I, 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 look, we're, we're not even 10 minutes in here. Can I spice it up for a second? I mean, Let's be honest. Is Dak playing next week? We don't know. Next week is a litmus test game for what this team is. Playing an uncompetitive Washington team does not tell you much. Even with even with your backup quarterback and winning, that's not a good team over there. So next week against the Rams is what tells you a little bit. As we stand today, John, I know we have more details that will come throughout the week. As we stand today, A, what do you think would happen? And B, what would you do if you were in charge of making the decision? Oh, I definitely would sit back for one more game. Philadelphia, that game is just worth so much. And and I, that's the game I'd be trying to have them back for. I know there's the argument to be made. Well, you bring him back against the Rams. That's the game you can knock some rust off. So then he's closer to a full go against Philadelphia. Uh, I'd rather give him another week and just let Cooper rush, see if he can keep this going. And maybe you knock off the Rams and then you bring Dak back for Philadelphia. I think that's the best plan of attack. And I really, man, I really think about this here. I can't think of another topic that Jerry Jones has been more like not willing to give you a, yeah, a definitive answer than he has been on this Dak injury. And, 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 and just how many times even today he, he, he just said, I don't know. I, I just can't even think of how many, uh, hearing Jerry say, I don't know uh, very often, let alone several times in a row to different questions he was asked after the game about where Dak's at right now uh, in terms of his return. So uh, when he doesn't know, and he's obviously talking to everybody that's that's in connection there, whether it's the doctors or uh, the trainers and Dak himself, obviously. I know Dak wants to play next week. This might be one of those things where I have to kind of maybe protect Dak from Dak, maybe give him another week and just, and, and let this thing, you know, keep going. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but I would say right now, I don't think that he'll play against the Rams and I think he's going to return against the Eagles, but that's not a hundred percent. I think that that's probably closer to, as I sit, as I stand here today, I would say it's 75% that I don't think he's playing uh, next Sunday. Yeah, and I think I think you know the medical opinion has to outweigh anything Jerry or anybody else says. But I, what what I would also consider is maybe just making Dak active for the game as the backup. I mean, we've seen that happen before with with different players, where like you know, like you go through the routine, he practices, he's throwing the ball in practice, and maybe you don't want to throw him out there. You make him active as a backup and uh, let him kind of run through that process and get him ready to, for Philly. I don't know if that's something they would consider doing. I don't know if that's something Dak would ever want to do anyways. It's like if he's active, he's playing. But, I mean, it's something that they could consider. Strategically for the Rams is preparing for Dak Prescott and comparing for Cooper Rush. Like, how different is that? Well, I think it would be a lot different just because 
one, you haven't, I mean, you're going to, you're factoring Michael Gallup being back in the mix and the trio of receivers he's going to be playing with aren't the same that he was playing with. If you're looking at all of Dak's tape from last year, obviously with Noah Amari Cooper. So Dak just offers more things. He brings more things to the table. And so I feel like it'd be probably a little bit easier for them to game plan for Cooper Rush, but the confidence that Cooper Rush is playing with right now, nothing would surprise me. It would not surprise me if he went into that game and, and they were able to beat the Rams. But I think if the Rams can pick, I think they'd rather face Cooper Rush than Dak Prescott, even as well as uh, Cooper's played recently. I, I want to go to a, a specific sequence in this game because you just mentioned Cooper Rush's confidence because there's confidence is good, right? Until it can be bad at some points uh, at the quarterback position. And this is, to me, the biggest or most important sequence in this football game today because Washington had just gone up 7-6 to six in the second quarter when Carson Wentz hit Dotson for the touchdown. And there's about six minutes left in the first half, and the Cowboys have a third and seven, and Washington gets all that pressure on Cooper Rush, and he just launches a ball off his back foot, and it gets intercepted at midfield by uh, St. Just. Now, that uh, St. Just had, you know, uh, got flagged for the illegal contact and extended uh, the drive, and the Cowboys ended up being able to convert on a third and eight to Gallup. They were able to convert on another third down, and then on third and seven at the nine-yard line, or third and six at the nine-yard line, whatever it was, you know, Cooper Rush hits Michael Gallup in the end zone to make it 12-7. to seven. But, you know, we were looking at a game right there where Washington just scored, it's 7-6, and Cooper Rush goes YOLO ball, uh, and, and they had intercepted the ball at midfield. So who knows what happens in that game if that flag doesn't happen. Um, I mean, that to me was just the most important sequence in the entire game. And that felt like a throw that maybe Cooper Rush might, might not have made it like two weeks ago. Maybe he just, you know, eats the sack there, you know? Oh, no, he probably wouldn't have, have made that throw for sure. I'm sure he was feeling pretty confident there. And what quarterback wouldn't be with the way he's playing? And, and I mean, it's the NFL quarterbacks are going to throw interceptions. If that happened... Then it happens. I just, even with that, I I just don't see that Washington offense scoring 20 points against this defense. I, I really don't. I mean, wh- wh- okay, one of the turnovers was the Trayvon Diggs interception. Did that really have that big of an impact on the scoring? No, it was right before half. It was basically like a punt. Um, could you set up Washington with better field position than they were on several occasions? I mean, they were, I think, probably around the 30-35 it's not like they were really backed up ever that they had to go on these long drives. And I just never got the sense that other than the touchdown pass that, that went through to the corner, the right corner of the end zone, <laughs> excuse me. I just don't know that I can see them scoring 20, even if they would, have got a pick there. There's a better chance. They just settle for a field goal there. And instead of the final score, you know, them having 10, maybe they have 13. I just, I don't think that that Washington team is very good. Uh, I think they can cause problems with their defensive front. Carson Wentz, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know how you can have a ton of confidence in him beating good teams, especially on the road. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, if that happens, certainly you, you can't be pleased with that if you're Cooper Rush. But it, it's funny, this after this game and then last week too, he's the one that's pointed out different times how he's been lucky. Well, I think you got to be pretty good to be lucky too. I mean, yeah, he's had, he's been lucky on some throws, not getting intercepted, but he's been pretty get, damn good too. Yeah, I, I agree with you, though, KT. Like, I do think that was a big sequence. And you can ask John. I was sitting right next to John, and I turned to John right at, right when the illegal contact was called. I said, this drive is going to end in a touchdown. 
And sure enough, it did because it's just you you expect that kind of weird thing to happen where illegal contact kind of saves your butt. And not only was Washington, that's a 10 point swing. You take seven off, add three for Washington. But also to John's point, like think think about anger shank punt like that gave them great field position. What did Washington do with it? Nothing. So I, I don't think it makes I don't think that sequence necessarily would have lost the Cowboys the game, but it could have made the game a lot different. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 so kind of amazing that that's where they're at. I mean, a lot of it does go to the quarterback and the quarterback dealing with pressure and, and things like that. But gosh, I remember going into last year and there's a lot of people picking Washington to win the division and things like that, which I had a problem with because I didn't think Ryan Fitzpatrick was very good. But those are some decent players they have on offense. Dotson appears to be a good player. Um, uh, you know, McLaurin, we know is a good player and Antonio Gibson's a good player. It's just, just such a shoddy offensive line. And they're the Cowboys. Look, this is the Cowboys haven't given up 20 points in the last three weeks and all these wins. The common denominator there is they haven't given up 20 points, but they're not a team that's going to go score 30 points. And I think you're going to need 30 points to go beat the Rams. Uh, you probably, you probably, games. you probably are, but part of that, that I'm looking forward to is. I want to see I want to see a team put up a bunch of points and make Cooper Rush let's max out what Cooper Rush is because no team has maxed him out yet and the reason why I say that is because every every game that he's started when the other team is answered or taken a lead he's answered right back they go yeah. up 7 to 6 in this game he goes right down right down the field now there was the like you said the over the overturned interception there because of the the penalty but what does he do he marches them right down the field he did that against Minnesota he did that against New York he's done that against uh, uh Cincinnati like okay let's see let's see if he's forced to go toe to toe and have to score 30 i don't know that he's not going to be able to do that let let's push him to that limit and see he's 4 and 0 as a starter and it's not like all these games have just been yeah, the defense has been great, and so you knew if you just scored one time, you'd win the game. No, these games have been back and forth, particularly in the second half. The guy has three of his four uh, victories are comebacks in this in, in the fourth quarter. So let's let's see what he he would do in that situation. Who knows? Maybe that's when he plays his best. And if, and if it is, because that's what we've seen so far, I think a lot of it has to do with his personality. Like he just doesn't seem like any of these moments have been too big for him. You know, two of those wins are against what we would I would say we'd call. Uh good teams or above right. average teams. And two of those wins are against what we'd call probably below average teams. Um, but I, I, I thought it was kind of interesting at the end of the game, like a lot of teams might just try to run clock there. They were going for it. Like, I think it was 22 to 10 and they were just like, they threw a couple bombs up and uh, he threw it into double coverage one time way down the field and got, got a pass interference uh, on Gallup on one of those. But it was like, oh, okay, they're just going to let him uh, start ripping it. And I thought they might just go, okay, here's Zeke. Here's a little Tony Pollard. Let's see if we can run out the clock. And they were kind of – I felt like they were trying to max him out a little bit. Well, that's the thing because to win big, you're going to have to make those throws down the field. You can't just be dink and dunk. You can be dink and dunk and, and win some games here and there and you can get on a roll and the defense can be playing well. But if you don't push the ball down the field, which obviously I thought he did a good job with today, whether it's Noah Brown, uh, CD, or Gallup, when, when he's doing that, on top of the fact that you had really nothing working in the run game, it's not like that was working. It's like, oh, he got these open looks because they were doing play action because they were selling out and and uh, they were running the ball well. Like, no, they weren't. So he's doing this um, to a variety of receivers, and he's not just doing little five-yard dump-offs that are going for 15, 20 yards, and there's a ton of yak. I mean, he's he was throwing a pretty damn good deep ball today. 
Yeah. No, I think his yards per attempt. Um, yeah. Well, I, I don't have it for today, but his yards per attempt was about eight yards last week against the Giants. So I'm, I'm interested to see what it would be uh, this week because I mean, even in that a, game, man. Throwing that, throwing that ball that CD drops, that's like one of the most catchable balls that you'll ever see an NFL receiver drop. Like you throw that in there, what's that? That's another 40, 50 yards he would have had in that game. No, absolutely. And again, you still see the, 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 uh, what he had with Noah Brown. You know, like you mentioned, like it's going to be hard to, to judge the offense until you get Michael Gallup back because you go with the plan of CD Lamb and Michael Gallup. Well, CD Lamb, we talked about his second half last week, and that might be a coming out party for his career. And continued that today. And I hope that in the middle of November, we're looking back and thinking about what happened in the second half against New York and what happened today. And we just keep building on this is when CD lamb fully became a number one wide receiver in this league. Yeah. I think, I think for CD, like, you know, this is everything he's capable of doing. And now he has another guy on the other side who's also able to, you know, attract double coverage on occasion. I think Michael Gallup will do that. Um, and I think, you know, that's going to benefit CDO, benefit Michael Gallup too. So I think both of them are going to be, you know, playing off of each other. And the cool thing is that they both kind of have different skill sets. You can have a lot of different formations where you have CD and Gallup lined up on the same side because CD can play the slot so well. So I think, you know, that's really important. Um, and I thought, you know, like like you guys mentioned off the top, like I thought Gallup's game today, I mean, when you th- – when you talk about his most impressive plays, like obviously the touchdown was important, but he drew two 25-plus yard defensive pass interferences, and then he also drew that uh, uh, illegal contact or holding penalty, which was a Cooper Rush interception overturned uh, deep inside their own territory. So Michael Gallup's fingerprints were all over this game, and I thought that was really impressive. Yeah, hey, what about a game where the Cowboys – actually don't have the most penalties. The fact that they only had one in the first half and it was on that questionable Tyler Biotish false start. They only have four in the entire game and Washington has 11 for 136 yards. I mean, that right there, when I see 11 for 136, I feel like, oh, well, that must have been the Cowboys going off what they've done in the last year or so. So uh, I thought that was a big part in the game. And obviously those plays that Saad just talked about with Gallup were huge. The, the, the third quarter of this game was the most ridiculous football that might have ever happened. Like, I was sitting there going, this is terrible. Washington's not – they're not even competitive. I mean, we're going to get into a third and 20-something. Like, you knew that was going to happen. I mean, you still were kind of close. And it's kind of the, the type of games you're probably going to be in right now with this defense and with your backup quarterback. We most- all understand that. That third quarter was just – it was borderline unwatchable. Wasn't it amazing that uh, Micah didn't have a sack in this game? <laughs> Watching this game, you would have thought he would have had three sacks. <laughs> yeah, but there were so many times where he was so close and, and mm-hmm. he was getting pressure. Like, like you know, John and I were talking about that, that fourth down throw that Trayvon Diggs barely tipped uh, on uh, in the corner of the end zone, the left corner of the end zone. Micah was right there. Like, I mean, if you go back and look at how close, it, it's like... It's like, you know, if you ask me all the most impressive things that he's done this season, one might be that spin move that he put on the Tampa Bay player and got to Tom Brady. But honestly, the second most impressive play to me for Micah this season might be when he turned into a one-man wrecking crew against the New York Giants and was like obliterating three people in his path. Like he didn't get a sack there, but he, he's been impressive all the same. And, and, you know, I think today was similar to that. Lyle too. Obliterating yeah, Lyle, Lyle too. was pretty yeah. nice. Yeah. 
he just opens up so much for everyone. And uh, I like to make his, uh, one of Micah's quotes at the end of the game was that we set the standard now like uh, 17 points, 16. This week we had 10. It's like next week we want to hold the team to seven. Like, man, if you hold the Rams to seven, okay, let's start to. The thing about the, the NFC is kind of wild, though. If you look at, okay, I know and freak out here. But if you look at the NFC contenders, and for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to put the Cowboys in there, right? Very good defenses. Tampa Bay's got a good defense. Green Bay's got a good defense. The Rams have a good defense. Like all these teams that you would traditionally take seriously, well, they've got pretty good defenses. And I don't know what the difference is if, uh, oh, you're a top five defense and a top ten defense. Well, what's the difference? Is that big enough of a difference to take that step? I, I don't even know where that conversation could go. It could go in a million different wormholes, but I, it, it's good that we can finally go, well, the defense is not a problem. Uh, no, in fact, no, we're kind of, uh, kind of what we're kind of counting on right now. And maybe that changes a little bit. And maybe when dad gets back and uh, you, you start having a, a little more fluid offense and things like that, it's hard to know what your offense can be right now. I got a confession. I'm, I'm, I'm in on Brett Maher guys. It's officially time. back. Hard he's to won be me, out. He, yeah, he, he's won me over this season. The guy, I mean, what, he, 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 has he the seems to have uh, fixed the um, the yips issue that he had in his last run here. And what's most impressive is that remember how like shanky his kicks were previously? Like he'd be like twenty five yards away, and it'd be like barely through the uprights, and it'd be like you know like right next to the pole. Like he's kicking it right down the middle, man. He's he's really really put it together and it's um it's great to have that as a strength of your football team where you can just go yeah 53 yards let's go get it yeah it's it's, and it's not just tough from for 50 me. plus either yeah it's yeah. it's tough for me to say which i i expected less him to play as well he as he has or tyler smith to play as well as he has uh at left tackle if if we're going back to the start of training camp you know i mean we go back to the start of training camp and Brett Maher wasn't even on the radar. You think it's going to be yeah. Jonathan Garibay. And then Maher is in part of the tr- one of the tryouts that they have out there in Oxnard. And from what we were told, he clearly was better than the other, I think, three other kickers that were there. One of the you know reasons being because of his kickoffs, he just had a, a much stronger leg than everybody, and they knew that he could be a weapon there if he could be more accurate on his field goals. And, man, he has been, and, and, and that's been huge for them. I mean, again – not so much in this game. I mean, he obviously played well in this game. I still think they win this game, even if he would have missed a field goal or two. But you just can tell by the way he's 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 kicking the ball, uh, just the way the way he is when you're just around him. Like he just he's extremely confident right now. And for a team that really didn't seem to have a great plan at kicker going into this season, that's that's yeah, that's a very very surprising thing. I, I thought that there was a good chance that they'd be they would be having three two, three different kickers this season. Yeah. And also, you know, to John's point about Tyler Smith, um, when you think about how the panic was when Tyron went down about not having five capable, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like we have, it's almost like the Cowboys have about seven capable guys on the offensive line between Tyler Smith, Jason Peters has played well, McGovern's been well, Tyler Biotis, Zach Martin, obviously, and he, you know, uh, apparently crisis averted there. And Terrence Steele has been playing well also. And so, and, and oh, well, that's six. And then if Tyron comes back later in the season, you have a seventh guy that's available. So I think, 
you know, the offensive line is in surprisingly decent shape as his kicker. And I think that with what we've seen from Farniak, if he's your eighth, ninth guy, I don't think that's, that's true. I mean, he's the one that went in for Zach at right guard in moments notice when he got to come out of the game. Uh, if Biotish goes down, I'm pretty sure Farniak will be their, their center. I mean, that, yeah, they're, they're in way better shape than I thought they were going to be on the offensive line. But, you know, thinking of going into training camp, all this talk of how they're going to be so committed to running the football. And I'm looking at the offensive line and being like, your guys are going to be more committed to running the football with what on paper looks to be the worst offensive line you've had in a decade. Like, how was this working? Yeah. I don't understand how this. And it has. And, and guys have stepped <laughs> up. There, there's no doubt about it. They've got a lot of reasons that the Jones family can give. Like I told you guys not to worry. You guys are freaking out over nothing. Like they, they can definitely do that. Now, uh, before we got, well, I don't back, know. Obviously, I don't know that hearing that calms you down. I mean, that you do have these no. 26 years behind you, but okay, sure. Yeah, no, no. I Let's know. give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but three and one feels good. Uh, but uh, so we'll be back later uh, in the week uh, to get you ready for the big Rams game. Maybe we'll know a quarterback's uh, situation and, and what that's going to be like then. So we'll break that down for you later in the week. Before we get out of here, closing thoughts, John, real quick. Mine is just about Cooper Rush. I'm just very surprised that he's been as steady as he's been through these three games. Uh, the idea that you really didn't – I mean, in training camp, you really felt like he was just neck and neck, that Will Greer might have taken the job. And, and for him to hold – hold Will Greer off, and then you factor in what he did against Minnesota last year with these three games, being the first quarterback in Cowboys history to start 4-0. The defense has been amazing. He'll be He's the first one to say that they don't do this without defense, but we knew the defense was going to be good. We didn't know that Cooper Rush yeah. was going to be able to play like this, so it, it's hard for me to talk about anything other than and how well Cooper Rush has been playing. Yeah. Right, real quick. Yeah, and for me, uh, the one thing that we haven't touched on, I think, is the coaching staff. I think the way Kellen Moore has adapted to Cooper Rush and kind of played to his strengths, we criticize him when they're bad. I think it's worth mentioning that Kellen Moore has also called a pretty good game in in general in the last three in the last three games. And I think that's you know I didn't love Mike McCarthy's decision to kick the field goal on fourth and one. I thought you just kind of like end it right there at the end of the game. But generally speaking, you can't be too picky. The coaching staff has done a pretty pretty good job in these last three games. No, there's no doubt about it. All right, we'll be back later in the week. Uh, Saad Yusuf, Father John Mishota, live at AT&T Stadium. Thank you very much. Cowboys win 25-10 to 10 for our producer, Kent Garrison. I'm Kevin K.T. Turner. We'll talk to you later this week and get you ready for the Rams on About Them Cowboys. I got to see those lips.